Hello, you're listening to an episode of Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse or Otaku Susume. I'm Jen. And I'm Wesley. So let's get started. And this week we're back to anime, and not just any anime, an original anime called Deno Coil. Back to anime. Back to anime. Back you know, to our roots. I guess, yeah. So... Denokoil is a bit of an old one, which is a big deal for me. Because, well, okay, so not as old as a lot of the anime that Wes recommends to me, but old in my books. And he's giving me a look right now that is so judgmental. <laughs> it was, I guess technically it's 2020. It's, Denok- it, it's old enough to vote, but barely. <laughs> Denokoil came out in 2007. And I think I watched it. Wait, was it really 2007? Yeah, 2007. Oh, it's not old enough to vote then. No, it's not. I thought it's, it was before that. It's old enough to probably drink in the UK. <laughs> I mean, based on stories I've heard, that's not saying much. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, um, Denicoil was an anime that I watched when I was a baby weeb at my anime society and university. Um, it was one of our full series, so we watched four episodes every week. And I absolutely loved it, even after... Like a decade or more, I couldn't. I've, I've been meaning to rewatch it for a long time, and for a long time, I've been like, "Oh, Wes, I want to rewatch this, and I want you to watch it with me." So it was running through your head. Yes. Running through your head, all the things I said. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, you wanted me to watch. I wanted Denokoil. you to watch it, not bring back Tattoo, which is probably from actually 2007. Probably. I. It's a theme of the episode. What, running through your head? No, 2007. Lesbians? What? 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 <laughs> Tattoo. Anyway. So yeah, I wanted you to watch this for a really long time. And, um... Well, you never told me about it. Oh my god. You're kidding. You get... Okay. I can... Don't give me that look. He's grinning right now. I'm he not totally, grinning. You totally hugged Straight face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely told you about it multiple times. And, and we know. watched it. You told me about it and we watched it. Yes. Yes, we did. Perfect. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recommendations. <laughs> so it was on. It was on Netflix in Japan, and so I forced Wes to sit down and watch it with me. Yes. Um, Deno Coil is an original anime, which you don't see many. We do. Many. You see, there's you a lot of adaptations. Of there's them. a lot of adaptations. Yes, true. which is a discussion we'll come back to later. So it's an original anime about. Um, this girl called Yuko who moved to moves to the city where her grandparents are from um, and ends up sort of getting involved with a group of kids who look for lost pets. Only they're not just any pets, they're digital pets. They run the local digital cyber detective, detective. agency. Yes. Run by a grandma. Because in this society, basically, you have augmented reality as a common tool for... It's it basically, it's weird because they have phones and they have smartphones. Do they have smartphones? At the end, yeah, because her mom's like, oh, I'll get you a smartphone instead of these glasses. So everybody uses these glasses as like augmented reality instead of smartphones. That's weird because, so the first time I came to Japan was in 2011. Mm. And smartphones were not smartphones common. Smartphones were not common. At all. And then when I came back in 2013, smartphones were moving in. And by smartphones, I mean iPhones because they were the hip thing to have. But it was weird because anyone who had an iPhone still had a regular phone, and they had two plans, because getting data and voice on the same plant was, I guess, difficult and or exorbitant. So you'd have your phone, which would have 
your phone plan, and then you'd have your smartphone, which would have a data plan, to have a smartphone because iPhones were the hip things to have. Mm. And that was 2013, six years after this. I think it's like 2011. Well, 2011 was when nobody had smartphones. 2013, oh, yes, when we came yes. back, was when it started moving in. That's true. Yeah, so so 2017, sorry, 2007 in Japan, this, this I guess, was like their image of the future of society is these augmented reality glasses. I mean, with the amount some people walk around staring at their phones, they're not far off. Yeah, especially when you have things like Pokemon Go, which has augmented reality of your Pokemon on your things and in the streets. Yes. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. Yes. So so parts of this anime were like futuristic sci-fi and parts of it were really old and very Japanese. Yeah, it, it, to draw a parallel, because the game just came out, Cyberpunk 2077 is based off of an old pen and paper RPG called Cyberpunk 2020 that was written in the 80s about all the cool stuff you're going to be able to do in 2020. <laughs> Cyberpunk style, like have a fax machine installed into your arm mm, but nice. you have to have a modem for your fax machine installed separately oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah it is like that <laughs> yeah yeah so it's this weird look at the future while still stuck in the reality that is around you so one of the interesting things i found about the show is how the kids it, it felt like kids make doing make-believe only it's sort of real but how they interact with the digital world was, I think, uh, I think frustrating for you. <laughs> Interesting, I think. It was, what was frustrating was that there was no rules regarding this digital world. It did whatever the plot needed for that moment, for that episode. And so if you thought you started to understand it, something would come along to break that understanding later, which was slightly annoying. And it was unhealthy in that these kids had no way, showed no way of differentiating between what was real and what wasn't. There was one scene throughout the entire anime where one of the kids realized, oh, I'm still looking at this in augmented reality. I can just take the glasses off and then none of it exists. Because to see the augmented world, they all wearing glasses. Do we say that? Yes. Okay. And that happened once. And there's so many scenes when these kids believe that they are in actual danger from whatever this is, and they may or may not be, depending on how you look at it and how you have decided that the digital world works within the story, which isn't fully explained. So are they actually in danger? Who knows? But they never once think this isn't real, except for the one scene, which is kind of inconsequential and doesn't matter with the overall scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm saying it's unhealthy is, I mean, we see kids nowadays who are so obsessed with phones anyway, and they don't have the understanding that what they do on the phone is real life. So that's why you, you know, there's all the news stories about this kid spent $25,000 on gacha games, or these kids go around posting incredibly public information on YouTube comments or Twitter not realizing that it's there in public for the world to see and always will be sucks to be you. And so that's not even with it being lifelike, realistic, augmented reality like these kids are doing. These kids are so lost within this world of glasses. Mm, I, it, it did frustrate me to some level. That, that is a discussion that they have towards the second, second half episode. of this series. Not just the second half episode, but they have a couple of moments where they where they go 
oh, it's not real, we could just take it off. And the adults tell them, oh, you you shouldn't be so obsessed with these glasses. You need to have like real healthy relationships. Which is good. Which is good, yes. But I think at least all the way through the show, it's all of these kids playing together, working together, working against each other. So at least they're still interacting in person somewhat. Unlike kids these days on the internet. <laughs> I hate to sound kids these days on the internet, but <laughs> how working together, interacting, playing together is great. I think that is very important for any child's upbringing in some level to learn important social skills because it's going to have an effect later. But to sound like my parents, 24-7 in a world that isn't real. I mean, there is a bit where a parent sits down and talks to them and says, these things don't exist. And you can attach importance to things that don't exist. And it's not inherently unhealthy to do so. But when you lose track of everything, there's like that picture that floats around the internet every once in a while of the emaciated person, like in a fetal position in a corner of a dirty, disgusting room, but they're plugged into the VR headset mm. that's like glowing. And that's what these kids are aiming towards. <laughs> well, they're running around outside. Yeah, thankfully, but... I think one of the things as well is is um, how they interact with the digital world. So they, they have these cyber pets, and they're not real. They can't physically touch them. But as you said, the rules of the world kind of don't exactly work, and so they can still pick up these animals, and they can still they still seem to have heft to them, even though they're technically digital. I think that was... So can pets walk through doors? Cyber pets can't. Why not? Because in the first thing we see a cyber pet do is walk through a physical object. Well, we see a child dropping a bag on a, on a cyber pet. This is true. I think how they explained it in the show was that everything basically has a cyber protection. So not just people or cyber digital animals, but also walls. So when... I think this is how the mystery and the kind of darker side of the story starts kicking in is when these digital overlays start breaking and things start getting through or bugs or virus or whatever it is you want to call it. And then that kind of triggers some very interesting things. And I think the argument the show was making was that actually there is a connection between the human conscious and this digital world. And it does actually have an impact. Yeah, I was working about this um, while watching it. And I've got theories. you got theories. I've got theories. Can you share them without spoiling the story? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I'm going to come about this through a roundabout way. We talked about, maybe I'll come back to my theories. I know, <laughs> I'm going to start this off and you can let me know if you want to change how we flow this a little bit. Okay. Because we talked about how this was an original anime. Yes. Made for anime, not a, uh, adapted. Mm -hmm. It was not an adaptation. I felt, especially as we came down to the last few episodes, that because you knew it was going to be anime all along, they could have paced the reveal and the story better. During the middle bit, because this was a two-season anime. Mm -hmm. 26 episodes. 26 episodes. There were filler episodes that didn't do much to advance the plot that were interesting on their own, but it meant that we didn't have enough time to fully explain or explore what happened later. Because... It's weird, the world of the glasses, the glasses are all made by one company. It's like a megacorp that has taken complete control of the country. And there's a government agency put in place to control the glasses in a way. 
well, and like try to regulate and to make regulate sure there the aren't any bugs but or any damage due to past events where children had actually been injured yes from the glasses yes but it's still what you find is that there was once two companies making glasses mm-hmm. and the se- the first company has folded for reasons that wasn't fully explained i felt I think they explained it that the sub-company was hired by the mega-company and were kind of absorbed by them in the end. But, like, the using, as we said, it's a view of the future looked at through modern sensibilities. And so when I'm watching it, I'm applying my own modern sensibilities. Mm. And what it felt like to me is that all of these kids have a smartphone that they're walking around with that just randomly connects to the nearest Wi-Fi available but there's never any passwords or protection in place or any encryption, and you have constant access to everyone else's phone around you. Like, you hear a story nowadays about um, airdrop on Apple phones, because that's a big one, and people getting airdropped pictures at random by people in airport lounges or whatever. You know, it's, I don't think it's as common anymore, but there was always these things about it. And they could be obscene pictures or whatever, and there'd be stories about it occasionally in the news, and you've essentially got that happening with all of these characters on a constant basis to everyone. But it's not just airdropping pictures. You've got them hacking in and destroying personal property. You've got, uh, and essentially, it's weird because our network is password protected and all that good stuff and using modern encryption technologies and yada, yada, whatever. And old persons might not be, mm-hmm. you know, so they might not know what modern encryption is maybe they're just using whatever came on their if they're in america comcast router or whatever the japanese equivalent would be softbank router whatever docomo whatever so you've got kids just walking by randomly connecting to an old person's out of date internet security with all sorts of weird files hanging around on it and you've seen the show so you can kind of see where i'm going with this idea and they're just picking up data from this server that they don't know what's on there because all of the kids are spending their entire time randomly hacking into people's servers to try to find Bitcoin. And the best places oh, to find Bitcoin is to go is. digging around in old people's houses without them realizing it. No, not- They are war driving <laughs> as a pastime because none of these servers are encrypted. And so these people's digital Tamagotchi pets are just randomly bouncing from server to server. And they send kids out to go find it. And the kids are like, that's great. But why would we do that when we can go get Dogecoin and make tons of cash? That was my modern sensibilities applied to the world of this, and that's why I found it so confusing. So let me interpret that for people who haven't seen the show. Um, the kids find um, little gems. They they look like gems in the VR world. They look like gems in the VR world, hidden in old... Servers. Servers, yeah. They, yeah, they, running out-of-date software. Normally, yeah, normally in like junkyards or... Um, shrines, and they collect them, and they can sell them online for a few hundred yen. Yeah, you're right. But it is of... it is Bitcoin. <laughs> and so it was. It's weird because you know we've, I've made the joke. Oh yeah, the '80s. So I would still have modems and yada yada whatever. But that's how I'm applying modern sensibilities to a show that's now 14 years old. Now that's that's 14 years old from a country that does not have a very good understanding of the internet. On a general scale. I mean, the head and of the internet... Oh, the head of... I forget what it's called. Like, cybersecurity in Japan doesn't even own a computer. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is most of Japan, it seems to have skipped having a 
home computer and just yeah. went straight to smartphones. Yes. I almost nobody has a computer unless it's for business. Yeah. And, and even then it's often if it's not a business that uses computers, it's it, going to be like Windows 10. No, not Windows Win 10. Windows 10 like is a modern one. Windows X. No, no. They've moved on from XP, thankfully. Oh, they have moved on from XP. But they hadn't for a while. I remember when um, we, we studied were here at the in school. 2013, yeah. everything was running XP. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's interesting. We've got an entire computer lab for students running XP in 2013. Welcome to the future. Yeah. So... <laughs> So in a way, it was very worrying to me. I think my interpretation is is that it's more of a naive in interpretation of the internet. And it was sort of optimistic in a way that this is how augmented reality could be applied in a futuristic setting. But that leads me to my second bit. Okay. Because you were saying that they had to put in the government regulations because children got hurt. Yes. I blame my aunt for this. But when I watch shows like this i try as soon as i started like putting this worldview in my head of modern i also look at what might have affected the writers as they were creating it mm. there was a situation in japan where hundreds of children got hurt oh from a television show from a television show yes. watching pokemon yes where they had to put in government regulations about what could be shown on children's shows so that that couldn't happen again and now modern day anime, when you watch it, if there is a possible flashing image, the whole screen goes dark. Yeah. Uh, you can, go, you can still dims, see what's happening. You can see what's happening, yeah. but it goes dimmer because there was an episode where Pikachu attacked a Porygon or something. Or Pikachu was flying on a Porygon and attacked Team Rocket. I don't want to dismerge Porygon here. It's an innocent. <laughs> despite this being known as a Porygon incident, Porygon was the innocent in the, all this. And <laughs> okay. the flashing lights from Pikachu's attack caused a bunch of children to have, have seizures yeah. and go into comas and have to be rushed to hospital. And it was a big incident, and it almost shut down Pokemon. Pokemon was brand new at the time, and that's what created the Pokemon Company. The Pokemon Company didn't exist before the incident. So to tie this into what's happening, you have a bunch of kids wearing monitors an inch away from their eyes, constantly looking at the world around them, constantly accessing unknown servers war driving around neighborhoods, looking into <laughs> software that they don't know where it's from. Picking up bugs, picking, picking up, up viruses. Bugs, picking up viruses. <laughs> yeah, they do. Doing, like, all sorts of weird stuff. They explain some of what happened to these kids later in the story, and it's not what I'm saying. So, you know, not to give a spoiler or anything here, but is it too far of a stretch to say that one of these kids, through their augmented reality glasses start seeing weird flashing lights or something as something bugs out because they got hacked into by their friend who thought they were just sending them spam mail, it starts flashing rapidly and the kid falls into a seizure. Wow, it's way to make it dark. Am I wrong? And I, <laughs> I say all of this, like really looking into the show, I do want to put out there, I enjoyed the show. I really did enjoy watching Deno Coil with you. So, so okay. So that's the really dark interpretation of these kids interacting with this augmented reality. The actual story, I don't want to give spoilers here, isn't much like No, no, no. The actual story is pretty dark too, but it doesn't start dark. Let's let's go back to the lighter side. What did you enjoy about the show then? What was what was a, a little more happy because the show isn't entirely about kids addicted to the internet. That's just a It primate. is entirely about the kids addicted to the internet. <laughs> that's just that's just the the world that they're built in. So they have really good... Okay, so for me, I really like how... I guess it kind of triggers a type of nostalgia for me. When I was younger, playing make-believe, running around the neighborhood, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, there is definitely a bit of that going on. Because it's it's the middle of summer. These kids are in elementary school? End of elementary school, yeah. And they're running around the neighborhoods with their friends or with their enemies because there are like two factions of kids who are kind of competing against each other. And kind of, in in, in my, my interpretation, and I'm guessing what the characters interpret it as, is they're playing a game uh, up to a point. When a when they realize, oh, the, it's not a game and it's actually impacting people's lives. Yes. And I really, really enjoyed like the kids' interactions. Like Obviously, they have rivalries, but it doesn't mean they're always like horrible to each other. Um, you have the main, the main character, Yuko, and the other main antagonist, who is also called Yuko. And they distinguish... Different kanji. Different kanji, and they distinguish them by saying Isako and Yasako. Um, Yasako and Isako. Yasako and Isako, yeah. So, so the, the main quote-unquote good character is Yasako and the, the main antagonist is Isako and Isako is just absolutely horrible to everyone around her because she doesn't want friends she doesn't need them and then when she's they... the cool loner character before the cool loner character got completely played out yes but it was getting there and then when everybody starts bullying her she's like why does this always happen to me it's like because you're a horrible person <laughs> yeah if everywhere you go smells like shit check the bottom of your own shoe <laughs> exactly but then these these interactions between all these characters, even though she's horrible, she still ends up getting people to kind of work somewhat with her. And I thought that was really fun. I, that was probably my favorite part about the show, was how all these different characters interact, how their relationships change over time, how they as people change over time. And it's, called, it's sort of a coming-of-age story, I think. To some extent, sure. I'm maybe more of a t- mystery detective story. I mean, they're in a cyber detective agency, but... It's kind of a mixture of the two. I don't think the main character changed that much. I think she did. I think she changed some, but I think compared to the other characters in the story, she didn't change as much. So mm, I would say that fair. I would say that other characters had more of a coming of age growth than the main character. Well, there was this this whole thing for her that wasn't explored as much as it could have been. Probably again the pacing issues that you described where she starts as this very, she's very much a wallflower. She doesn't seem like the main character. And then she starts to gain a bit of confidence and realize that she can do something about what's happening. Yes, which was good. So how about yourself? What, was there anything that you particularly enjoyed that wasn't so dark? <laughs> <laughs> I liked piecing, I, despite it being so dark, I liked piecing together my interpretation of the worldview. Because I did, because as I was saying earlier, everything you think you finally understand about this cyber world then gets broken later. Yeah. And so I was almost constantly episode by episode re-piecing together what I thought I knew. I mean, at the end of the second episode, you were like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. And I was actually worried that you were going to drop it and wouldn't want to watch anymore. <laughs> no. I, so on some level, though, I did enjoy putting it together. And on other levels, it reminded me of playing games like Cyberpunk 2020 or, you know, Shadowrun or things like that. And I think you could actually run a very fun game of Deno Coil in Shadowrun. Ooh, yeah. You'd have to make sure everyone was on board and realizing that you're having Calvin Ball adventures. But I think Shadowrun, especially, you know, with like the deck and the diving and all that, you could mm. you could do some I don't I don't know how the diving system has changed, but diving was such a pain in the butt. Like Like any it, role playing game <laughs> you throw out all the annoying bits and you just use the system to have fun. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> That's how I treat role-playing games. So going back to Denoquo. Going back to Denoquo. Um, you mentioned how you enjoyed piecing together how the world worked. For me. For you. And I think I enjoyed piecing together the mystery. 
Now, I keep, I keep coming, harping on about how this was an original anime, and one of the things that I loved, and I think this ties into the fact that it was an original anime, is the fact that they know what's going to happen at the start. And they've actually planned the mystery, and they plant the seeds and the hints. There are even hints about what re- was revealed in the last two episodes in the opening of the anime. Yeah, there was bits watching it with you where you're saying, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And there's other bits where you're like, oh, I don't remember that happened at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so been a while. Pretty, pretty standard gen experience. but <laughs> No, but it, it did definitely feed back in ways. It didn't. So it, it may have had some pacing issues, probably because it was split into two seasons. But it still slowly fed you parts of the mystery and slowly exp- like gave you tidbits of information. So you could somewhat start piecing things together. And as the more and more was revealed, you were like, oh, that's why back then this happened and this happened. Yes. And I really, really liked that. As opposed to some anime we watched, like um, you mentioned when we were watching this. Um, Brand new animal. Brand new animal. About the pacing issues in that. But anyway, I don't know how pacing issues. And that was an original anime. It was. I don't know how it had pacing issues. Well, actually, I do. I they, think oh, they obviously some, some, it. Of it, some of it was the same issue this one had, where they didn't want to give too many hints as to the big reveal that would be at the end. Because I do feel, as I was talking about the sub-company and the maid company mm. and all that, I feel if they'd fleshed out more of what that meant, as opposed to just throwing it into the climatic finale. Mm. Um it would have been good for the world building, mm-hmm. especially because it was so closely tied to the main character. I think you could have done that, but then I, it might have you know, more given away of what was coming, but I think you could have done it without giving away that mm. big climax. More like, oh, this is, a, this is a tidbit of information about the world, so that people would later on realize, oh, that was actually a hint. Yeah. So, and whereas in Brand New Animal they just kind of hit this point where they said, oh, we're doing the big finish now and quickly put the characters in place, Mm. even if it didn't seem like they had time to get to where they needed to be, Mm -hmm. both physically and emotionally. So I think that was an issue with Brand New Animal. And Brand New Animal, as I said in that episode, exacerbated it by doing the chunk of episode drops. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one originally was a weekly NHK product. Now, because it's on whatever streaming service you find it on, you can watch it at your own speed. Yeah, I think in the West it's on Crunchyroll. Okay. But that, so that means, though, that if you want, you can just watch it as one whole chunk, or you can try to pace it out, maybe not weekly, because if you really like it, you have the wherewithal to pace yourself like that. But however you watch it, even if you were to sit down and watch it as a chunk, I mean, it's 26 episodes, that would take forever. Um, but Never underestimate the power of a university student with free time. I think... I would have similar issues, actually, if we were to sit... Because we watched this mostly episode by episode. And then when we got to the big climatic finale, we did watch five episodes in a day or whatever. I think we watched six episodes in a day. Either way. And if we were watching it in a chunk, I would really start feeling myself drifting in those middle middle filler episodes Mm -hmm. I was talking about. Yeah. Those definitely needed to be paced. Yeah. Can I say something I didn't like? I thought you already did. (laughs) I didn't. I said that I was worried about the glasses... Okay, okay. So but what... I didn't say I didn't like it. I mean, I came up with this whole crackpot theory. That does, <laughs> you don't do that unless you have to feel something for it. <laughs> Fair point. So what didn't you like? I didn't like... Unchi. No, it's not that. Um, <laughs> I, but I didn't like... She's not the sister, the aunt of one of the main characters. Oh, 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 yeah. They I didn't like her at all. improved her. She's... They needed someone... They needed 
one of the government agents from this government group uh, oversight board to be able to interact with the kids. And so she shows up as, you know, cool older lady on a motorcycle, mysteriously related to one of the characters, yada, yada, whatever, so on and so forth. And then a couple episodes after that, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, she's in high school, totally regular high school girl, somehow also works for a government agency and rides around on a motorcycle and does all sorts of weird stuff and has massive control over things that she shouldn't if she's just a high school girl working for it. Yeah, it's she, not fully explained, but they wanted to draw her in a pleated skirt, so now she's a high schooler. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I think she shouldn't have been a high schooler. Maybe a university graduate. Graduate's fine. Put her put her in her mid-20s, totally yeah. fine. She's but, not even Christmas cake yet if you make her 24. <laughs> and if you want to make her 24, she's approaching Christmas cake, which gives her a lot more reason to be upset when the other character keeps calling her auntie. Yeah. But the way she was done annoyed me. Now, you can then forgive her stupid judgment making on the fact that she is also a teenager so her complete lapse of judgment is okay because she's a child and that's what children do but as you said she shouldn't be working for a government agency in japan yeah that doesn't happen if you're a high schooler no (laughs) not even in fiction world so that that was weird i have to agree with that that kind and it it's a thing right because in anime you want to make it so that people connect to the characters, and so you often make them children so that they're on a similar level so that people can more easily connect to them. Mm-hmm. But then you wind up with these children who are either given too much responsibility or they're too smart or everyone trusts them and believes them. Like, one of my favorite things about Conan, which has been running for decades, and I just keep throwing out references, I'm sorry, is he, despite being the one who always solves the cases, never is the one to explain the decision. He always has to knock out his girlfriend's dad, who is an actual police detective, <laughs> and then use ventriloquy to explain it, because no one's going to trust a child. A child. Yeah. And that's real. <laughs> it's realistic that he's knocking out this person and giving no, them severe brain totally issues. <laughs> it's anime. Nobody gets brain issues in anime, except for small children who wear glasses all the time. <laughs> but poor Megan. Me- poor characters with glasses wears that sucks to be them i wear glasses (laughs) i'm a character with glasses and severe brain damage hey (laughs) no but so you you have to kind of strike that balance right sometimes you see these kids there is like that's why i stopped watching uh ascension of a bookworm Mm. well she's arguably a high schooler inside a 11 year old body she's like six eight oh god oh yeah she is if a six-year-old starts walking up and talking about things like that, everyone just smiles and pats them on the head and sends them on their way. They don't set them up making their own I mean, merchantile business. I mean, they do do that until she until they realize that they can take advantage of her and make money. True. But no, no, so, I, I do have to agree that there are a lot of anime where kids... I, I often interpret kids to be older than they are, and then they're like, oh, no, they're actually blank. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So to draw this all back around... I thought it was stupid she was a high school. <laughs> and then she winds up with a rival also in the government who's also a high schooler. Yeah. So it was like, come on, please, seriously. And he's her boss, because that makes sense. I guess. Supervisor, maybe. Supervisor, yeah. So I have very one very, very important question Uh-oh. before we wrap up. Okay. Best cyber pet. Who is the best cyber pet? Densuke. Oh, um, I'm going to say Densuke because the best cyber pet was not a cyber pet. She refused to call Oyaji her cyber pet because she has a complex regarding that. Because he's an adorable little daikon. 
With little tiny arms and yeah. little tiny legs. Because Oyaji was super cool. But, as I said, he's not a cyber pet. He is her minion. Or underling, whatever she called him. So Densuke is the best cyber pet. I think my favorite cyber pets were the Moja. Uh, Isako's little... Yeah. I guess arguably minions, because she also says that they, she also argues that they're not Cold her pets. Them. Yeah. Um, but they're adorable, and they go maja, 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 and they're fluffy. And when they break into, when they break into one of the characters' house uh, to steal something, that was honestly one of the best episodes. That was a good episode. There is episode. actually another great cyber pet that I can't say. Okay, I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. I know what yeah. you mean. Then yeah, yeah. That, that one's pretty awesome. Yeah, people have to watch it. Yeah, you have to watch it. Because I, yeah. I think that's one thing that I like as well about the show is that you really have to watch it. I don't want to... If I tell you why it's good, it's going to spoil it and not make it good. Mm. But... Sorry, to go back to my answer about Densuke. Okay. Densuke is a cyber dog. He's a Tamagotchi. But he's given so much character and made so lifelike and real that he's not just your anime dog. Like, so many anime will toss a dog in there and, oh, this gives the character a reason to go out for a walk or do this or do that. You know, it's it can be used as a prop. And Densuke has that at times, but he's so much more. Mm. And I really enjoyed him. He's a good Plus, boy. his name's a pun, so. Oh, yeah, you explained it to me before. Yeah. <laughs> so would you recommend people go watch this? Yeah, 100%. Um, you said it's on Crunchyroll? I believe so, yes. And in Japan, it's on Netflix? Go watch it. Uh, yeah, go watch it. I don't see why not. I mean, there's. I always say there's so much anime being shown that maybe the reason why not is because there's so much that you're already watching or you're busy or things like that. But if you have an open moment to give it a shot, mm. I would definitely recommend, you know, watch the first three or four episodes, see what you feel about it. And if you really want to watch a long-running show with a good story and an interesting mystery... There it is. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was... This week's episode of Recommendations from My Tucker's Spouse. I was Jen. I was Wesley. And you can find us on Twitter at Annie Bros Creative. You can find our website, www.annabroscreative.com. And if you enjoyed this and you enjoyed Dino Coil and you recommend this episode to someone else, then that'd be really cool. Yep. And if you have any of your own thoughts about it, go ahead and leave us a comment. You can do it on the website, you can do it on Twitter. We will see and probably start to reply. Yeah. See you next time. Bye.